Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Happy Monday, friends and faithful listeners. You've tuned into the P40 Ministries podcast. And hi, my name is Jen. I am the host. But before we begin our regular scheduled reading, I would love to um, actually share something that I learned today in my own personal reading. And it really uh, spoke to me. So I wanted to share it with you guys. And this is taken from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So I think that is... um, You know, I think James also says something about you can't just be listeners of the word, but you have to be doers of it also. So I think that is an important thing to keep in mind as we study the scriptures is not just to listen to the podcast because, I mean, obviously I'm reading the Bible to you guys and, you know, we're listening to it, but we have to not only just listen to it, but we have to uh, take it into stride. We have to think about it. We have to meditate on it and we have to do what it says as well. So I think that's an important thing that I wanted to share with you guys before um, we begin reading today. But for everybody that's new out there, the P40 Ministries podcast does a uh, Old Testament episode on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and then a New Testament episode on Tuesdays and Thursdays, just to let you guys know. So today, since it's Monday, we will be talking about Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 33. I always read out of the W.E.B. version because it is in the public domain. It's not my most favorite version of the Bible, but it is a great version because what they did with it was they purposely created it to put it out there to let people read it and study it and use it however they want. I mean, if you want to take something from the W.E.B. version and throw it on a shirt, that is totally okay. You can do that. And that is why I like the W.E.B. version so much. You don't have to get permission to use it or to speak it over the air like what I'm currently doing. But uh, anyway, today, once again, we'll be reading out of Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 33. Grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea, and let's go ahead and read. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you by the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to his voice. Don't provoke him, for he will not pardon your disobedience, for my name is in him. But if you indeed listen to his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel shall go before you and bring you to the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Canaanite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor follow their practices, but you shall utterly overthrow them and demolish their pillars." 
You shall serve Yahweh your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sicknesses away from among you. No one will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days, and I will send my terror before you, and will confuse all the people to whom you come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. I will send the hornet before you, which will drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them all out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the animals of the field multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and inherit the land. I will set your border from the Red Sea, even to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. What a fun portion of scripture. So let's uh, delve into this a little bit. So in verse 20, where we started off, it says that God is going to send an angel before all of the people. Now, uh, we know about many angels throughout the Bible. I mean, they're, they're talked about uh, Gabriel and Michael and different na- uh, angels with different names. But this angel is a special angel. And this angel is actually Jesus himself. So, of course, Jesus, that was his earthly name in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, his name was often the angel of the Lord. So we've seen the angel of the Lord uh, come down multiple times uh, throughout scripture. We saw him, I believe, the first time that the angel of the Lord was mentioned was um, in Genesis at the very beginning. I think it was like in Genesis 2 or 3, they talked about that. Uh, and then again, he came down when um, when Abraham was around and Abraham talked with this angel. And uh, I can't remember the other times, but he's been mentioned a few times at this point. But the reason we know that this angel is not Michael or uh, Gabriel or one of the other archangels is because this particular angel says that God has his name in this angel. That's what it says here in verse 21, for my name is in him. So that means that this angel is part of the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Like I said, that means that this angel is part of the Trinity. So this angel is, in fact, Jesus or God or the Son, however you want to name him. So God is kind of telling Moses, who's supposed to relay this to the Israelite people at this point. He says, listen to this angel's voice. It says this in verse 21. Pay attention to him and listen to his voice. Don't provoke him. Don't provoke him. How often do we provoke God? It says, don't provoke him for he will not pardon your disobedience for my name is in him. So I think that that is an important thing to look at since Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, which is what it says in the New Testament. So in other words, he's always the same. It doesn't matter what time of history it is. Jesus is always the same. So since he's always the same, it says here, in the Bible that he will not tolerate disobedience. And I believe that is also true. You know, when we see Jesus coming down in human form, we also always think of him as so loving, so this, so that, you know, he's so uh, 
tolerant of everybody. And yes, Jesus is loving, but he is never tolerant of sin. And we do see that even in the New Testament, that Jesus is never tolerant of sin. So when the woman who was in the adulterous affair came and kneeled before Jesus, he says specifically to her, don't sin, go and don't sin anymore. That's what he says to her face. So he acknowledges that she has sin and he says, don't do that anymore. So Jesus is never, ever tolerant of sin. So even in the Old Testament here, he's not tolerant of sin, the sin of disobedience, the sin of uh, not listening to Jesus's voice, this angel of the Lord, I should say. And, uh, you know, he's not tolerant of that. So that's what it says here. And so it says, but if you do indeed listen to his voice, and this is God speaking once again to Moses, and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And then after this, God goes and talks about all these beautiful, really cool promises that he's going to give his people if they just do what he says. So he talks about all of this different things. He says he's going to uh, bring them into this beautiful land and he's going to remove their enemies and he's going to uh, give them healing. There's not going to even be any sicknesses in this land. And the women are all going to be joyful with their children because they're going to be able to have children and there's not going to be any issues with that. And, uh, you know, it, it says so many different promises. So let's talk about each one here. It says in verse uh, 22, that God will be an enemy to the Israelites' enemies and an adversary to uh, their adversaries. So he's going to be an enemy to anybody that even remotely hates the Israelite people and tries to destroy them. He's going to be an enemy to those people. He says in verse 23, the angel will go before you and he, there, he's going to bring you into the land with all these different tribes of people. He talks about some of them. The Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Canaanite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And I will cut them off. So at this point in time, you have to remember when God is talking about cutting a certain type of people off. Every single time God does this, this is for good reason, because these people have become so corrupt. And we've talked about some of the things that they have done already. These people have become so corrupt that at this point, it is just time for God's judgment upon them, I should say, because we've already seen God's judgment a few times already with um, Sodom and Gomorrah, those two cities that were extremely evil. Uh, you know, it just it was just crazy. So God brought his judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah for everything that they were doing, but saved the only people in Sodom and Gomorrah who were righteous. So God always saves, protects the righteous people. And then we saw God's judgment on the entire earth with the flood when the earth became so corrupt and, uh, you know, God's judgment was um, brought in the form of a flood, but yet he saved the only righteous people that were on the earth, which was Noah at that time. So I think that that's a, an important thing to recognize is that God, that even when he brings his judgment down on a particular city or something like that, or a particular tribe back in the Old Testament that we see, he always does rescue the righteous people. I mean, we even saw that in Egypt. He was bringing his judgments onto Egypt. He didn't completely destroy them, but he was bringing his judgments on them and was protecting the righteous person, you know, the person that uh, chose to do what God said, like with putting the blood on the doorposts. He protected those people, and we know that there were many, many 
Egyptians at that time that did do that and followed the Israelites out of Egypt. So he talks about cutting off these people because, I mean, they were so corrupt at this point. They were having like animal orgies and orgies up on the mountain and serving these different gods and demons and whatever else they were doing. Like they were doing some pretty sick things. I mean, we saw even with when we talked about this on Friday with the boiling of the goat in the mother's milk. I mean, they were they were killing. They were doing some sort of disgusting practice where they killed this baby animal by boiling it in the mother's milk. Like that was <laughs> that was the mindset of these people back then. And, uh, you know, they were just so corrupt. So we know that once God brought the Israelites into that nation, that he was, in fact, going to bring his judgment down on the people who were doing these sick practices. So uh, here's what God says after this in verse 24. He says, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor follow their practices. Right here. We just talked about the, the practices that the Canaanites did. And now God is saying, don't do what the Canaanites are doing because you're supposed to be a holy people. I mean, you are my children. I mean, God adopted the Israelite people to be his children, to be his firstborn. So the Israelites were God's firstborn. And because they were God's own personal possession, his own personal people, it was important for them to live a different kind of lifestyle. And God says the reason it was so important was because the nations of the world for generations would see how the Israelites were living and be like, why don't they have any disease in their country? Why is uh, why are they having so many children? Why why is everybody so healthy and happy and prosperous? They would be like, I wonder why. And then they'd realize, oh, God is taking care of them. The real God, the true God is taking care of his people. And God was showing that to not just the Israelite people, but to the nations around Israel as well. So I just think it's so cool that God was always thinking about people who weren't Israelites as well. And we forget that. <laughs> you know, we look at the Old Testament, we're all like, oh, it's all about the Israelites. But I mean, yes, it was. But God was also focusing on the Gentiles as well, the people who were not Israelites uh, or Hebrew people like you and me, maybe. <laughs> like me. But um, <laughs> so it says here, uh, God says to Moses to tell the Israelite people, you shall utterly overf overthrow them and demolish their pillars. So these pillars would be set up as like gods. You know, they would be images that the Canaanites and whoever else would worship. So God says, when you go into this land, get rid of their gods. Destroy their gods. Because first off, their gods are fake. And secondly, they're evil. They're not good to worship. Uh, they're demonic. I mean, God says several times throughout... Um, the Old Testament that, in fact, the people who worship other gods were worshiping demons. So it's important to get rid of these gods when uh, the Israelite people go into these nations. So it says, uh, don't don't follow their practices. You shall serve Yahweh your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from among you. If the Israelite people back then would have just listened to this, they would have been so healthy. They would have had so much prosperity through God back then. I mean, what's not to love about that? And all they had to do was follow God and serve God. 
to the best of their ability. I mean, the law proves, I'm kind of going off on a rabbit trail here, the, the law does in fact prove that we can't follow the law very well. <laughs> but if they just would have done the best that they possibly could and would have served God rather than, you know, bowing down to these other gods, which we find out that they do in fact do, uh, they would have just had all this blessing on them. So it says, uh, no one will miscarry or be barren in your land if you serve Yahweh your God. So there, there is, I want to say here, it was a promise with a stipulation. The people had to worship God in order to get these kinds of blessings. So I want to mention that. And it's funny because in my other reading that I'm doing, not just from James, but I'm also kind of going through the book of Jeremiah a little bit. One thing Jeremiah prays to God at the very beginning of the book, he's like, God, why are you going to destroy your people? You know, you promised them prosperity. And uh, God doesn't answer Jeremiah, but it, the answer is right here. It was only if the people chose to follow God. And in Jeremiah's day and age, which is thousands of years after this, uh, the people were not doing that. So God was, in fact, keeping his promise. <laughs> So anyway, going back to this, sorry, I'm definitely jumping around a lot today. Um, it says that in verse 27 that he is going to send with his angel this kind of terror to the other nations. And that is why the other nations are going to kind of uh, move away from the Israelite people and not mess with them. It says that uh, I will send my terror before you and I will confuse all the people to whom you come and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. So they're going to run away. All these enemies are going to run because they're going to be terrified of the Israelite people through God, if that makes sense. God is going to give them kind of like a supernatural fear of the Israelite people that uh, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and whoever else are not even going to want to mess with the Israelite people. And then in verse 28, he talks about sending a hornet before you, which will drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. So even here, God is not talking about complete destruction of the Canaanite people or the Hivite people, but just that he's going to drive them out at this point. So he says that he's going to produce this hornet <laughs> that's going to go and like do this infestation on the Canaanite and Hivite people and the Hittite people as well. And we find out that that actually does happen in the book of Joshua, that God does in fact send a hornet and it scares everybody. So they just run out of there. So God does actually do that. And then he says that he's not going to drive them all out before you in one year, because if he did, then the land would become desolate and the people wouldn't be able to thrive very well in it because the animals would uh, be so prolific that they'd eat everything, is, that, is, is what it says here. So instead, God's going to drive them out little by little. I will drive them out before you until you have increased to inherit the land. So I mean, even though there was probably about 2 million Israelite people at this point in time, maybe more, maybe less, I mean, that's like the city of Philadelphia nowadays. I mean, that's a lot of people. But in order to fill up an entire land, which is thousands and thousands of miles, that really isn't a lot of people to uh, to take over that piece of land. The land would, in fact, truly become barren <laughs> as, uh, you know, as whatever wildlife came and ate everything. So it is important that God does, in fact, leave some 
Hivite people or Canaanite people in there so that um, the land doesn't become completely desert-like. So then he says that little by little, I'll drive them out until you have increased to inherit the entire land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea, even to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. So this is talking about the people that are left in the land. And uh, at the time when the Israelites have enough people to go and inherit all this land, because God is talking about a border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines. So that's a ton of land. I mean, I don't know how much that is. I didn't look it up, but that's got to be a lot of land. (laughs) So God is saying, as soon as the people have enough people to fill up all that land, then at that time, uh, God will be with the people to... um, drive out the rest of the Canaanites living there. And it says that at this point, though, you shall make no covenant with them nor with their gods. So God is very specific about this. He says, once you have enough people to fill up this land, don't you dare make a covenant with these people. Now, a covenant is kind of like a promise or a peace treaty or an agreement because if the people do, in fact, make a peace treaty with the Canaanite people living with them, the Israelites would probably start intermarrying with them and would um, have children with them. And at that point, the wives or the husbands or whoever are the Canaanites would still be worshiping their own gods. And then their children would start worshiping those gods as well. So God is kind of talking about this whole concept of not being unequally yoked with a person, which is an old-fashioned way of saying um, not on the same page, <laughs> I guess. So if you marry somebody, like let's say that a Christian marries somebody who is um, non-Christian or Muslim or something like that, that would be not on the same page. You know, they would constantly be clashing with each other in that marriage and their their marriage would be really bad and then their children would have to choose whether they want to grow up to be non-christian or uh, muslim or whatever else so god is always talking about how important it is to um have a husband and wife be on the same page biblically because then at that point uh, they can actively follow god together and have children who grow up to follow god And right here, this is what verse 32 says. You shall not make a covenant with them, nor with any of their gods. They shall not even dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So that means that if the Canaanites are allowed to remain in the land, even if the people don't make a peace treaty with them, and they're allowed to just stay there, which is actually what ends up happening, um spoiler alert (laughs) and even though the Canaanites and uh, at the beginning and the Israelites did not make a peace treaty the Israelites did in fact start intermarrying with the Canaanites and started worshiping their gods which is why the book of Jeremiah which I was talking about earlier which is why God ended up punishing the Israelite people and taking his blessings away from them So friends, this was Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 33. There was a lot of content in this one, but I think it was kind of a cool 
little portion that uh, we discussed today. And friends, if you have any questions regarding the podcast or anything that you think, uh, any critiques that you have, anything you think I should do, please uh, contact me at www.p40ministries.com slash contact. And you can absolutely contact me there. I'll get an email from you and I will be able to respond to you. And if you have any suggestions at all, I would love them because I'm out of ideas. (laughs) I only have so many ideas and I would love some fresh new ideas from you guys, the listeners, about what you want to hear or an intro that you'd like to hear or uh, whatever you think. If you have any critiques whatsoever, I would absolutely love to hear them. So please do that. Contact me. uh, Let me know you. I'd love to get to know some of my listeners. Um, I have quite a few now. I was talking about the new listeners at the beginning of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, I have quite a few new listeners from... um, you know, different states. New Jersey is one of my uh, largest listening bases now. So thank you, New Jersey, for tuning in. And also to um, Belgium and Spain and England. I would love to um, get to know you guys from around the world and uh, Switzerland as well. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate it greatly. But uh, join me tomorrow, 6 a.m., for an episode out of the New Testament. Happy listening. And God bless.